Thanks for joining us and supporting Vikido Fitness. We ask for your continued support by becoming an It's All About Health and Fitness premium member. Go to www.vikidofitness.com forward slash join. Again, that's www.vikidofitness.com forward slash join and register for a $6 monthly subscription. And remember, keep listening, sharing, and checking us out. The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we talk about career readiness at any stage of life. What does it take to be career ready? What exactly are soft skills? Can those skills help me get a job? Most especially now in this quickly changing world. Joining us today is Felicia Johnson, a career advisor and licensed career counselor from the Career Exploration and Development Department at Kent State University. She will talk with us about career readiness and what it means and how we can navigate successfully within the workforce at any stage of our lives. All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now, here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks Hey, Vicki, how are you? How are you? I am fine, and we have guests. Yes, we do. Yes, we can. All that kind of good stuff, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> We have Felicia, Felicia Hello. Johnson. Hello, everyone. Thank Hello. you for having me. Yes, we are excited that you're here today. And this will be a fun show, right, Dee? Oh, yes, I'm looking forward to it. What do you think, Dee, about our weather? I think we have dodged the bullet. Well, I think we have. Mm. You know, there's a little blip of a little cold here and there. But in terms of all this monsoon snow stuff, I think... We're from, <laughs> we're from Northeast Ohio. That's I've right. been around a long time. Mm. And so, you know, the farmers don't plant anything until well, after what? May, May 31st. Okay. Because, you know, there's always going to be one more frost. Just one more frost. So, I know. Yeah. The good news is, you know, my pool. Yes. Spring so. is coming because I got a notification yesterday. That they're thinking about people to think about opening it. Well, it's way too soon, but it's like, okay, well, maybe spring is in sight. I know. Well, today we talk about career readiness at any life stage. So what does it take to be career ready? According to Applied Educational Systems, AES, career readiness is the process of preparing students of any age with the essential skills they need to find, acquire, maintain, and grow within a job. Some of the skills would be written communication, financial literacy, professionalism, digital responsibility, job-seeking skills, and others. Now, these are the soft skills that you may have heard 
but these skills are in demand and much needed in the real world. So this is important. And why is it important? Because the educational teaching has gotten away from teaching soft skills and have shifted to teaching more theory. But we are finding out that we have been doing a disservice to our students by not teaching the real life skills that are needed in the real world. So this is what is called, and you've heard it, the skills gap. So the skills gap is the disparity between the knowledge that companies want from job applicants and what those job applicants actually know. And so joining us today, as you heard, is Felicia Johnson, a career advisor and licensed career counselor from the Career Exploration, that's a big word there, (laughs) and Development Department at Kent State University. She will talk with us about career readiness and what it means and how we need to learn the essential skills that is needed, right, to find, maintain, and grow within the workforce. We definitely can't wait to hear more from Felicia on this episode. Right, Felicia? That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Right, Dr. D? Absolutely. That's it. I want to remind folks to make sure you go to our resources page, www.vikidofitness.com forward slash resources. And there you will find products, services that will be helpful to you as you embrace a life of health and fitness. We have a variety of items on our resource list for you to check out and try. We have Reebok, Warby Parker, I remedy supplies, Spanx, you know, we got to keep it tight and right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. High and, and tight. High. <laughs> <laughs> and much more. We got plenty for you to check out on that page. But let's talk about this natural hair and skin care products company, Just Nutritive. And it's a nutrition and nature. That's their tagline, Just Natural Products. They are a fast-growing a natural skincare online store with a wide selection of natural, effective skin and hair care products. So check out their products. They have over 140 products, which means that they have something for everyone. Authentic, nutritive skin and hair care products are beautifully packaged and highly effective. Just nutritive products are... They're handmade fresh, vegan, made in the USA, sulfate-free, color-safe, no parabens, chloride-free, gluten-free, and I love it, of course. Now, I tried the Nutritive Black Hair pre-wash because, you know, That's every what time, you had said. Yeah, every time um, the companies, you know, they come and want you to promote their stuff <laughs> and all that. I have to see if they got something for black folk That's up in right, there. You know what I mean? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I checked out. They have, it was like a pre-wash treatment that you put on your hair. And I tried it. And my hair was very soft. It's it very good. So mm-hmm. I said, okay, I can promote that, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I am hooked. And it wasn't that expensive. I can't remember exactly how much it cost, but it wasn't that expensive. So that's something to think about for the nutritive black hair pre-wash treatment. They even have dog care products. That's, you know, because a lot of folks are into their dogs, right? (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, most people some are. people so, are. Okay, some people. Okay, okay, baby. So right, 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 right. <laughs> into their dog care products. So you can find that there, Dog Natural Solutions. Make sure you go on our resources page, www.vikidofitness.com forward slash resources and check out this company, Just Nutritive. And remember, when you use any of the affiliate links to buy any of the products and services on our resources page, you are supporting us here at Vikido Fitness. And as always, Dee, thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Thank you for your support. Well, Dee, it has messed me up. This time change has completely jacked me up. Because I was wondering today, I was like, why am I dragging? I am too. So it's not just it's, me, no, huh? it's, And, you know, I had these grandiose plans. Okay, I'm going to get my go back to falling off the wagon with exercise and fitness. And I said, I'm going to get up early in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's dark. You know. Mm-hmm. It's seriously dark and cold, even though it gets warmer during the day. And I'm mm-hmm. like... Not today. <laughs> Not today. I know. So it's 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 Jack. But well, somebody said they had tulips coming up in their yard. Have you mm-mm, seen any? Mm-mm. I haven't seen anything like that. No. But I know this. The the change is significant for me. Oh, big time, big time. Yeah. For some for some reason, it affected me more this time. Me too. Mm-hmm. Because of the maybe it's because since the change, I've been having to get up so early okay. to do things or whatever, check on things, or I was driving back from a place on Sunday, when it Monday morning, and that was, you know, I'm used to the sun starting to come up about 7, and it's still dark. I know, but... What were we saying? We were giving thanks that we had dodged the bullet. Right, okay, so, so right, yeah, so, so I guess we got to deal complain. with um, darkness no, in the morning. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're good. So I guess... So. I will keep dragging myself, but I'll get used to it. Me too. Me I'll too. It won't be that long. I know. It actually seemed like it came by pretty quick for me. Did it? Um, okay. To yeah. be honest, a, a <laughs> sad, honest truth of mine <laughs> is that I never changed my clock in my car. And so oh, for ah. it, it seems as if we've had a good winter. Yeah. You know, and I'm a knock on wood to yeah. here. Yeah. But um, since the time has changed and moved forward, I'm like, well, wait, it happened so quickly for me. I'm used to going a little while and then changing back. And so, I don't know. It's so kind of a good and right bad thing. So right twice it's, a year. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's right. <laughs> All right. Okay, I'm with that. Mm-hmm. As quiet as it's kept, I got two clocks in my house that I don't change either. <laughs> That's true confessions. Uh, right. <laughs> I was looking at one today in, in, in the living room and I said, Dag, it's right today because I haven't changed it since. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> one in the bedroom and one in the in the living room, and I'm like. Okay, we back on we're back on, on target. target. Yeah. Back on schedule. That's that's a shame, guys. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> What's your confession? But my confession is you got one too. Well, my confession is that I really don't know that the time has changed unless somebody tells me oh, yeah. because I go by my phone and my computer oh, and everything okay. just yeah. automatically oh, yeah. does yeah. that. And remember yeah. last year I kept asking uh, Nate, so when did the time change? And he looked at me like <laughs> That's been a month ago. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I was That's like, funny. yes, okay, because yeah. it just automatically yeah. changed. Yeah. But this time, people, you know, they've been talking about it, and now I understand why I was dragging. Mm-hmm. They're thinking about is this the last season or last year? For it? there's some rumblings about they're trying to get rid of it. Am I I've right? I've heard right, people they, talking yeah. about that as well. Yeah. Mm. 
I wonder who's making money or not making money. As we say on this show. <laughs> who's who's benefiting? benefiting, right? It's not me. Not me either. <laughs> who's so benefiting? We'll see, right? We'll see. Yeah. Yep. So, D, I went to your birthday party. Yes, Happy birthday. thank you. Thank you for coming. I really appreciate you being there, and I can't wait to break open that South African wine. Yes, that was Ooh. my present. It was wonderful. I'm mm-hmm. so excited. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yes, yes. I got to get to Cape Town. Yes, you have to. Mm-hmm. We were trying to go. Remember, we were yeah. trying to go to Spain, mm-hmm. but when I asked Andrea... What to do? She said, mm, I think we probably should wait to the coronavirus. Not, this is probably not the best summer. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as much as I love international travel, I think I will probably not be going anywhere. Yeah, I think we need I'm to scared just. To go to, I'm scared to go to Washington, D.C. I know, I'm scared right? scared to go just right up the street, you know. And in our county, well, we'll talk about that a little, little later. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, think, things have changed. Yes, they have. But that's, that's, that's sometimes good yeah. so that we can, you know, concentrate on our family right. and and, you know, connecting with our friends. I believe that things happen for a purpose. And washing your hands. And, you know, but everybody's <laughs> Wash like, those hands. so, you know, as an infectious disease person, I, I sit back and I'm pondering this as this epidemic, this pandemic now. And I'm thinking, okay, in 1847, Ignal Weiss showed that hand washing prevented pregnant women who were having babies from spreading strep infections to the next mom to the next mom. And the reason that they found this out was that doctors now were washing their hands between giving delivering babies. Okay. So this happened in 1847. Mm-hmm. Why are we still not getting it? Washing our hands, I know. Washing your hands. just play. And so there was a thing yesterday about, you know, everybody running around getting hand sanitized and so forth. Mm-hmm. They still stress... Soap and water yes. is just as good if you do it correctly. Mm-hmm. You know, not just as our friend Reverend Lou Macklin said this morning, not just ranching them off. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> not just ranching them off, but actual 22nd hand washing. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. It's just as effective. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's something how, you know, because I've seen it. Where people will use the restroom and just leave. Not wash their hands. Yeah. Which is why you have to be careful about, you know, touching the doorknob mm-hmm. as you go out of the door in the bathroom. Mm. I always talk about that. People don't wash their hands. So, yeah. So, there it is. There it is. So, yes. now here we are. I know. So, Felicia, what was your, what week, was your like? week like? Yeah. yeah. You have you know, something? I've, I have had a pretty uneventful week to be okay. honest i uh-huh. think that uh yesterday for me has been like one of the highlights of all time with us uh the university shutting down i know so yeah. <laughs> everything happening so unexpectedly so how did that affect you guys how, what tell us what it was like did you get a phone call email blast yeah e-blast, no well what? there was a lot of rumblings a lot of people talking and different news in regards to coming from different higher ups at the university about what was going on but our dean of our college actually pulled us all in department by department and just kind of shared with us what the plan was. By that time, it had already been announced via Kent State's website. And so mm-hmm. we were all just kind of in shock because it's like, wow, this is real. This is happening. So. Big time, mm-hmm. big time. Mm-hmm. Well, Felicia, we are glad that you we came are. here. We are. I am so excited to be here. Yeah, it is such an honor and privilege to be sitting here today with you ladies, mm-hmm. talking about all of the things you have scheduled for today in addition to career readiness stuff. Yes. Um, yeah. So we're glad that you're here. 
So what is going on this week? Everything, Vicki, everything. Well, this is March, and it is National Nutrition Month. Eat right, bite by bite, 2020. And so the National Nutrition Month is an annual campaign created by the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. And during the month of March, we invite everyone to focus on the importance of making informed food choices, developing sound eating and physical activity habits. And so I went on their website, which is www.eatright.org, and I looked at the weekly key messaging that they have. They got a lot of pictures and all that, so it's really nice and engaging. But I, I liked how they had it for the month. The National Nutrition Month, they got their weekly key messaging. And I didn't write all the bullet points under their week, but you can go and find that out. But it says week one, eat a variety of nutritious food every day. It said practice portion control because we always talk always about, talk about that. that. Yes. Take time to enjoy your food. Learn how to read nutrition facts, panels, and the labels. Week two. Plan your meals each week. Use a grocery list to shop for healthful foods. Enjoy healthful eating at school and at work. In other words, probably pack your lunch, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So week three, learn skills to create tasty meals. Keep healthful ingredients on hand. Practice proper home food safety. That's important, Mm -hmm. you know, because of, of how you store your food. Uh, putting your food back in the refrigerator and throw away those throw things away. that have expired. Yeah, I'm amazed that you know I don't. I buy a lot of mustards and this, that, and the other. But you got to go through and can good. You got to go through and look at that stuff and throw that stuff away, mm-hmm. which you know it piles up. I know. So and that's that's good healthy food. Because I I always say now, you know, you you see so many things <clears throat> in the news about food being unhealthy today. You mm-hmm. stop almost like, can you eat anything that's safe right um, right so you right. got to be very careful about foods today mm-hmm. food safety is is critical it's it's the key right mm-hmm. and then also reduce food waste because we do throw out a lot of food i'm trying to work on that most especially since my um kids are really gone yes mm-hmm. and so i keep telling nate no it's just me and you let's just cook for me and you not for the masses you know mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you end up throwing food but, but he still shops and by, uh-huh. <laughs> by all this food, it's just, I think it's a habit. It mm-hmm. does become a habit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm trying to practice that because, yeah, after a while, the food, you know, it's going to start getting spoiled. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I'm trying to practice that. We'll I see. I know, right? Uh-huh. Or just have a dough party and invite folks over to eat up the food. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a, a uh, strategy, right? I know, right? <laughs> Speaking of which, I'm still wanting some spinach soup. Yeah, you still haven't tasted our spinach soup. No, stew I have not. And that stuff. I know. I know. Well, next time I fix it, I'm going to invite you, and you just come wine and dine with me and Nate. Is that I cool? will. I will. Yes, I she's will. up the street. Okay. She's our, I know. our neighbor. She's up the and street. And what is this now, a spinach stew? Yes. It's, it's, uh-huh. You, mm. you, you put it, you know, it's, it's originally, I learned it from Nate. You know, he's from West Africa, Liberia. Mm-hmm. And so I really learned it from Nate. 
um, with the whole how you do it, the spinach <laughs> and this, it's like a stew. Mm -hmm. And then over the years, because I've been cooking it forever for the girls, because that's that's all only thing they liked with the rice. Mm -hmm. oh. So right, growing up, so I fix it all the time. I at least fix it once a week. Yeah, I put my little southern foot in it, you know. Okay. And, and now you know everybody goes. Um, Every, day, every time they come up, you see how she got, well, <laughs> did you cook the spinach stew? Did you cook the spinach stew? What you cook? <laughs> uh, no, but I will cook it next time. <laughs> 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 I am trying to not cook a whole bunch of stuff, but I cook every day. So we'll, we will see with that. Mm -hmm. We at week four, consult a registered dietitian nutritionist. Ask your doctor for a referral to a registered dietitian. And this is important because a lot, of, a lot of folks don't know that your doctor should be able to have right on file a registered dietitian that you can go to to get your individualized um, diet plan. Receive personalized nutrition advice to meet your goals. Meet the RDNs in a variety of settings throughout the community. And I'm asking everyone to find out more about the National Nutrition Month Awareness. Go to www.eatwhite.org. Well, D. Yes. What about the you Harvey see me? You, 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 well, let, we'll get to that. But Harvey Weinstein, that's a life sentence for him. Yes, Harvey Weinstein. He just Weinstein. got sentenced to 23 years. It just came across my thing this morning. 23 years in prison for his rape and criminal acts, sex convictions, convictions. Now, let me just say this also, and I haven't read the little spiel that we have here, but this uh -huh. is just for here. He's still going to be tried, I believe, in another state. Or okay. Two. Okay. So wow. once they start adding all this up, it's going to be forever. He might not see the light of day. Mm -mm. Now, you know, he could always be pardoned, but <coughs> anyway. Um, okay. Hey, I All know, right. right? Could always be pardoned. Mm -hmm. But anyway, he was sentenced to 23 years in prison Wednesday for his rape and criminal sex act convictions following an emotional trial that was a landmark moment in the Me Too era. Mm -hmm. Weinstein, and you know, he was on top of the world. I know. Let's say five years ago. Anything that Harvey Weinstein Productions touched turned to gold. I know. And if you go back and look at all those films that that he was involved with that won Academy Awards with this, that, and the other, it was numerous ones. Mm -hmm. He was um, convicted specifically February 24th of a rape in the third degree of assaulting aspiring actress Jessica Mann in a New York City hotel in 2013 and of committing a criminal sex act for forcing oral sex on former production assistant Mimi Haley in 2006. He arrived in a wheelchair Wednesday morning to the Manhattan courthouse. I guess he had just, actually a little aside, he had just got... After the last trial, he developed chest pain. They took him to the hospital. He apparently got some stents put in. Mm -hmm. And then they took him to a hospital. And then just recently, he was transferred to the famous Rikers Island okay. uh, in New York, a jail in New York. Oh, wow. Isn't that the shoot? That's, that's where everybody is. Yeah. that's. And so a judge sentenced him to 20 years on the first count and three years on the second count. He must serve five years of post-release supervision and register as a sex offender. The famous Gloria Allred. You all familiar with Gloria Allred? Oh, yeah. She, yeah. I saw her one day in Spagos defending? in New York. She was just dressed to the T. Yeah, she was the lawyer for many of the many of the victims. Victims, victims. Mm -hmm. that's what I thought. Okay. And she felt the sentence was fair and appropriate, but whether he will ever truly be sorry, I don't know. 
This is a new day, All Red said. It's a new day for women to know that if you have courage, there will be consequences for the predators who hurt you. So for the predators who are going to wake up and fear tomorrow, are they coming for me next week? My answer is probably yes. yes. Oh, my God. So, right. And he addressed the court. I didn't see this now. He uh, saying I, it wasn't about power. I, I was about making movies. He has maintained any sexual activity was consensual and told the court he believed he had friendly relationship with mm. women. I had wonderful times with these people. He felt said he felt remorse for the situation but appeared to disparage the Me Too movement saying men are confused and losing due process. I'm worried about this country, he said. So um <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. Uh, right. I don't know what to say. Yeah. Now, we will say that sometimes when you look at some of the ladies, they go way back and you go, mm, Well, you know, I have I three sons. I have three sons. And it, you look at things, and a daughter, and you look at things differently when you have boys and girls. Mm -hmm. And I'm not disparaging any, and I've said this on numerous occasions, I'm mm -hmm. not disparaging or d d saying that the ladies didn't say whatever they wanted. But I, I have told my sons of mm -hmm. recent times, mm -hmm. none of them are married, be very careful. And understand that no means no. Yes. And, you know, I, m I remember I had an uncle that once said, you know, once sex is going on, it's like trying to push the, the ocean back with a broom. <laughs> no. <laughs> those days are over. Right. No means no. no and it. so for the, for the young men, and, but I also tell my, my daughter, well, she's married now, but I also would tell my daughter, you know, and I'm not saying that people go to hotel rooms to seek things and so forth, but I just say there's judgment that's got to be involved with a lot of things that one puts oneself into. And I'm just going to mm -hmm. let it sit with that. I'm not going to elaborate on it. I'm just going to say... When you go to a man's room at 3 o'clock in the morning, no, he shouldn't rape you. He shouldn't assault you. It might not be a good idea to go to a man's room at 3 o'clock in the morning drinking. No, mm -hmm. no. Mm -hmm. Or whatever. I'm not saying, you understand what I'm going to let that right. sit right there. And I'm not saying that anything should happen or whatever. But I just say on both parts, we call it good clinical judgment. Yes. Good judgment goes yes. a long way. Doesn't it? It really does. I just... I hope the, the every I, we don't want any any male up in here saying that I'm you know bad bashing women or anything. I'm not. I'm a woman. I have a daughter, but I'm just saying on everybody's part, good judgment and think about the consequences of something like this. Man now is looking at a life sentence. Mm -hmm. He probably won't get released. You know, so I'm just that's just what I'm saying. That's my soapbox, and I've had a soapbox about this Me Too thing for me a too, long time. Me too. Me for too. long, this is not just me being a bandwagon or saying, "Well, now." No, I've talked about this on numerous occasions, only because I have friends that are men and boys. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I just think we need to look at things globally and all angles of it. Yes. I have two sons as well, and I'm I'm really glad that this. Me Too movement has come to light just because having these public conversations about what, you know, um, what are the rules of engagement? What do we feel is appropriate versus what is not? What is the woman's take on when you're going too far versus what is the man's understanding of that? You know, my oldest son, he, he kind of cracks me up because he thinks a lot differently than I do. And I'm like, whose child are you? <laughs> <laughs> you can't be my child. But he's like, he doesn't fully understand rape culture as a young man. He thinks that mm -hmm. we don't condone rape in this country. So how is there a such thing as rape? 
rape culture. That's something that people mm-hmm. are, you know, get in trouble for or whatever. Right, have right. But we also know the underlying realities that it's not always the case. People mm-hmm. are not always brought to justice right. for the things that they have done to other people. And so I'm just really glad that the discussion is public. I yes. am too. And so many times women, you know, you look at these things of date rape and how women have been historically for many, many years. I remember being in college. Women wouldn't come forth because what Mm -hmm. they do when they get them on the stand is bring up everybody that Mm -hmm. they've ever had sex with. So, you know, you get raped this time, but then they're going to bring up your whole sexual history, which in essence supposedly is supposed to discount anything that happens so women have historically been afraid because their reputation would be trashed Mm -hmm. up against these men and so like you I'm glad that we were having the conversation and bringing these things out and these men is no more Mm -hmm. gone are the days of boys will be boys yes those days are over yeah you're right and right. and also for women too, I have to be careful. For me as a female, I, I'm yes. a very hands-on person. Mm-hmm. I like to touch people. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's nothing for me to come up to some of my male residents or my male colleagues and put my them. arm on their shoulder, mm-hmm. hug them, or something like that. I have to be careful now about boundaries, mm-hmm. about getting into somebody's space. Mm-hmm. And I will say, and I find myself saying, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, you know, please don't take that the wrong way because that's just who I am. But I got to change that. So women have to do it mm-hmm. too. And then women have to, you know, be truthful as well. Because I, I do think that a lot of times we just go by what someone has said and we don't do the full investigation. Right. And that's important as well because we know, too, based on our history, that a lot of our male friends and family were sent to jail for untrue stuff about rape and when they oh, were that's accused. A whole, right. Mm-hmm. They were lynched. Right. right. Mm-hmm. They were. So we just gotta we just gotta be real careful as women we just got to be on point with the whole me too as well i think in one thing just to uh, back you up on that is Mm -hmm. that a full circle and and really bringing this to light would be to make sure there is uh some form of harsher consequences for women who do who are found to Mm -hmm. be telling Mm -hmm. a lie on a person you know because especially if we're going to be holding people accountable for their actions, men per se, we can say men, I'm from, you know, I worked in domestic violence. I know Mm -hmm. that men can be victims of Mm -hmm. sexual violence and all those things as well. But, um, you know, just holding them accountable, the consequences for lying. I haven't seen that much. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen, you know, when they ruin someone's career, who comes back then and hold them accountable for those things. Right. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, that's true. So that should be the other angle. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, big time. Definitely. Well, we could talk about that for yeah, a minute. Well, stay tuned. Stay there, tuned. He's still got more cases. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. He's still got a few more places to go for this. So this is it's not over. It is not over. Mm-hmm. Every time that we get together, we have a health tip. And the health tip this time is many hospital workers are an unhealthy lot. And this was a study that was, was um, passed but it's still relevant today, and that is more than three-quarters of workers 
they, they were looking at um, six Houston hospitals are overweight and obese. And so researchers surveyed 924 employees, mostly technicians and administrators, about their health status and their diet, but the doctors weren't part of the survey. And the results showed that 78% were overweight or obese, fruit and vegetable consumption was generally low at all weight groups. Mm. Those who were obese had much higher daily consumption of white potatoes, mm. such as um, French fries, regular fat foods versus reduced or low-fat sugary beverages, and added butter and margarine than those of normal weight. The study also found that 65% of respondents had no days of vigorous physical activity, about half had um, no days of moderate physical activity compared to those with normal weight, overweight, and obese uh, respondents spent more time doing things such as watching TV, playing computer games, and sitting. The study was published in the Journal of Occupational and Environmental Medicine. The 78% rate of obesity uh, overweight is higher than the national average, but not shocking because our study probably attracted employees who wanted to lose weight, said the study first author, Sharila Sharma, an associate professor at the University of Texas Health Science Center at Houston School of Public Health. Regardless, this is what she said, regardless, it is troubling because these are hospital employees active in the workforce, and we need them to be healthy because obesity is linked with so many cardiometabolic risk, such as elevated glucose and lipids, this calls for immediate intervention to prevent chronic diseases. The new study also found that nearly 79% of respondents were dissatisfied. That's why I looked at that. Because mm -hmm. people get all crazy when I talk about workplace wellness programs, and that's where, where it needs to be because a lot of times people are running out of time. They don't have time because they're caring for the mm -hmm. patients. Right. That they don't they neglect themselves. Right. So why not have a wellness program right there mm -hmm. so they can be a part of that? Mm -hmm. So these results highlight the need for hospital employees to better understand, support, and nurture the health of their employees. We are back to... We do need to really talk about, because when, when we talk about employee, um, their health and everything, it's more about getting sick. Well, it is. And I remember way back in the day, one of the first organizations that I think has had health, and, and we've talked about this organization, the Cleveland Clinic Foundation mm -hmm. has been on the forefront since I was an intern and um, <laughs> they had a, they had a, um, don't let the gray hair fool you. Um, they had a, they had a wellness initiative when I was an intern that, you know, there was a exercise center. There mm -hmm. was a full Olympic sized swimming pool. If you could get there as an intern, which we never could, but, and, and roll around for years, they gotten rid of, they got rid of McDonald's. They got mm -hmm. rid of the fast foods. And I just was saying the other day, that you go to the Cleveland Clinic cafeteria, it's Their just like it's like great food and oh so my healthy. God. There mm. is not one fast food Nothing. as we know it today. Mm -hmm. They're all very ethnic groups, you know, different types of nationalities, mm -hmm. but they're all based on some sort of some sort of um, healthy food, healthy thing. thing. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the, another organization that I work for, UPMC, also had health and wellness. And I think organizations understand that a healthy workforce 
you don't have the people to miss work mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. whatever. So whether they care about us or not, it's an economic plus I for know. them. As I we know. always say, who's, who's benefiting? benefiting? <laughs> so whether they care about our health uh -huh. or not, uh -huh. It benefits them to have a healthy workforce right, for right. them. Mm -hmm. And tangentially, it helps us too, obviously. Right, right. But yeah, I mean, you know, you mentioned this potato thing, and I have to tell you, I was over, I was someplace the other day, and I was, oh, this guy comes in, and he's, he was telling people, you know, I was just diagnosed with diabetes, and you know, I'm so into checking my foods and stuff now. I, every time I take my blood sugar, uh -huh. you know, and I eat some food, I, he says, well, you know what the worst food was that I've eaten that just shot my blood sugar? as soon as I ate it, a baked potato. Mm -hmm. Did you know that? Yes, high on the um, glycemic, glycemic index. Glycemic index. Yes, that and guess what? Carrots too. But they're considered safe to eat for um, diabetic folks. Wow. So you got to be careful with carrots when, when a, a dietitian sit down with a person that's diabetic. Yeah, that, you know, you got to be real careful with. And corn probably too, right? Yeah, they're high on the um, glycemic, glycemic index. index list. When he said baked potato, you know, of course, yeah, I'm potato. thinking in my mind, a, a nice baked potato with some veggies and stuff on the inside. But And I don't have diabetes, mm -hmm. but I'm still always worried about my blood sugar. And, mm -hmm. you know, you can do random hemoglobin A1Cs and be mm -hmm. pre-diabetic, mm -hmm. you know. So that baked potato thing threw me for a loop. Um, yeah, it's high on the glycemic so does index. pasta and all that, is that all included in the high glycemic index? Oh, big time. You wouldn't even I love potatoes, and so I'm wondering. <laughs> I know. So Sweet potatoes. Yeah, How about so that's those? different. Okay. So with um, sweet potatoes, you know, if you boil them when you cook them, they will be, I think, low on the glycemic index. But if you bake them, they become high on the um, glycemic index. I guess when you bake them, the, the sugars come out. If you have a baked potato, it's going to be high versus if you boil that um, sweet potato. Also, the fiber in the um, sweet potato, well, it's more healthier for you, the sweet potato, um, the fiber, but it also it, it becomes lower on the glycemic index. Yeah. Okay. That's why for bread, yeah, we probably tell people don't eat a lot of bread, but if you have whole wheat, that's a little bit different, mm -hmm. even though now, though, when you look at whole wheat bread, mm -hmm. it has sugar what in it. What do you think about these keto breads? Is that just a ploy, or should you just not do breads, period? I would tell people do bread sparingly. Mm hmm and the reason why is when you look at the label, they most breads have a lot of sugar in well, them. Well, when you're making bread, you put you have to put sugar in it too, right? Think mm -hmm. about how you make it. Yeah. Even whole wheat bread, that's yeah, supposed exactly. to be good, right? Because of the fiber and mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, when so he said you just that potato, potato, I was like, whoa. Sparingly use that, but that's yeah. why you have a well balanced diet, and you don't do. You know, you try to do variety so mm -hmm. you won't do the same stuff mm -hmm. or you cut down. So if you have a, a white potato, you probably got to have more, what, some collard greens or something mm -hmm. on, the, on the plate with it, you know, mm -hmm. for the fiber mm -hmm. to counteract that. Not wow. any with uh, pig feet or what, right. they <laughs> <laughs> what they put in their greens. Oh. No, you you messing it up. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Oh, what you know about some pig feet? I, I know nothing. She I knows not about some pig feet. Shoot. <laughs> Shoot. Yeah, some pig feet. That's Heck funny. yeah. That's funny. That's mm -hmm. funny. 
So what's the latest, D? You know, well, we got all you know, this stuff you going on. Well, you know, you see me sitting over here, and I'm mm. on this national. I was just appointed to the National Task Force for the Links Incorporated, which includes 280-some chapters and I think over, I don't know, 20-plus thousand women. The latest for coronavirus is that we've kind of, in my opinion, and it's not my opinion. Let me just say, I'm not going to give my opinion. The facts of the matter are this, that uh, it started in Wuhan, China, as we know, and it's now sort of mushroomed into today. World Health Organization is calling it a pandemic, meaning widespread infection. And so with that pandemic, a lot of things go on. You see, for example, in Ohio, the state has been cleared on an emergency uh, basis. So South Korea, about a month ago, was doing 15,000 tests per day. We were doing, I don't know, 5, 10, or whatever. We're starting to do more testing. So now you're going to start to see the numbers increase. By and large, the disease for most people who get it is a mild disease. Mm -hmm. What we're concerned about now in this country, and as the data is coming out about people that have been infected, the people that worry to worry about are the people that are over 60, whoever those people are, but the people that are <laughs> over 60 years of age who have underlying diseases like diabetes, okay, okay. chronic lung disease, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, people who have like, you know, which includes like asthma and so forth. And also those patients, of which there are a number in this country, on chemotherapy mm. and on some of these in new, revolutionary, great immunosuppressive drugs. All these things bring your immune system down. So these are the individuals that should be cautious. Mm -hmm. The CDC has gone one step further. And every day it's a fluid situation mm -hmm. to the extent that they're suggesting that <clears throat> those people that I just mentioned who are 60 and over who have these underlying diseases probably should not do any domestic traveling period on airplanes or mm. in any kind of uh, trains or anything like that where they're going to be around crowds because we don't quite know right now the infectivity. We think it's way more infectious than the influenza. Influenza is about 0 0.5 or 6. It's looking like this is shaping up to be 3%, but we don't know yet. Okay. And so once we start doing more testing in this country, which hopefully we're going to be doing more, we'll mm -hmm. find more more people. The last thing, because we could do a whole talk on this, which ultimately we, we will, will do that, yes. is that New Rochelle, New York, they brought the National Guard in yesterday. So everybody's like, well, whoa, what is that? You know, some like 1984, oh, you know, know. they're going to put people in, you know, no, they're bringing them there to help clean. They're bringing them there to shut things to, you know, while the things are shut down, to go in and disinfect schools and, and establishments and so forth, to try mm. to get a handle. The arms wrapped around the virus. First of all, we talked about hand hygiene and so forth. We mm. just need to let people know they need to have a more heightened level of awareness mm. and probably just be prepared. You know, it's like I said, it's a very fluid situation. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I do know, and this is not my opinion, tomorrow the numbers will be a lot higher than they are today only because we are testing more people. Okay. So I just say stay tuned. This is unprecedented in my lifetime. I think it's unprecedented in a lot of people's lifetimes where, you know, they're shutting down today in California, no more sports games with people in them. The Warriors and whoever they play have to play to an empty stadium. Mm. Well, everybody's, you can see the Dow's dropping. Oh, everybody's time. being impacted. It's like a domino. Everybody's being impacted from an economic standpoint. And those individuals, like we learned in MBA school, some corporations do their business on what we call a just-in-time inventory. Mm -hmm. Like you don't, 
you've heard of just-in-time mm-hmm. inventory. You don't stock up stuff mm-hmm. until you just order it as you need it. Well, suppliers are going to be backed up. Mm-hmm. Because they can't get stuff in because maybe the workforce is down or whatever. Mm-hmm. And if you're waiting for some car parts or if you're waiting for this or whatever, that's going to back your production system up. So it's it's going to be very interesting. I've been a little bit disappointed with our administration. It has nothing to do with Democratic or Republican. It just has to do with who has been calling the shots. He's allowing Dr. Fauci and all these other people to come and do, because Fauci was the one that shepherded us through the HIV crisis. Mm -hmm. Remember, during that time, we thought if you touch somebody with HIV, you were going to die. So Fauci has been the calming voice for us since Mm -hmm. 1980. And why somebody would squelch him now, I don't get it. Mm -hmm. So I say, listen. Listen to Dr. Anthony Fauci, who has shepherded us through most of our infectious disease crises in this country. And if you want to know accurate information, Mm -hmm. eh, I might listen to him. Mm. Anthony Fauci from the National Institutes of Health. Okay, Um, He's been around since the early. He was one of our godfathers in infectious diseases. So we'll stay tuned. We'll keep on this like we did Ebola. Okay. Each week we'll come back and give some more little spiels about yeah, what's going on. Yeah, and we will have a, a specific and show. And we'll have a show uh, specifically on coronavirus. Mm, once we know yeah. a little bit more. Exactly. Okay, sounds exactly. good. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Vicki Haywood-Doe. I just wanted to break in for a quick second and introduce to you the sponsor and creator of this show. It's the company I own. Haywood Doe Consulting Co. doing business as Vicky Doe Fitness. We are a health and wellness consulting company that specializes in designing and implementing medically integrated applied exercise physiology-based fitness wellness programs, initiatives, events, health promotion, and health education for special populations such as older folks, children, adolescents, overweight and obese individuals, cardiac rehab, women's health, and those who have chronic diseases. We have a team and network of healthcare professionals based out of Northeast Ohio, and we've worked with many companies, schools, churches, and organizations. If your goal is to transform your life by taking a holistic approach to living a life of health and total well-being, get in touch with us at info at To find out more about our own site and online programs and services, go to vikidofitness.com. And now back to the show. Well, today we talk about career readiness at any life stage and the skills that are needed to transition successfully in the workforce. We have joining us Felicia Johnson, a career advisor and licensed career counselor from the Career Exploration and Development Department at Kent State University. Felicia is here with us to discuss how we can have successful careers and what important skills we need in order for us to be employable. And so welcome, Felicia. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> yes, finally we, we we at the part where we get a chance to hear I from know, you. I know, but looking at your face after I was talking about this coronavirus, you look so scared. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was actually just thinking about 
for clarification purposes, I know someone had brought up that they call it the COVID-19. And so mm-hmm. I heard someone or someone on social media was like, well, does that mean it has like 19 different strains or is that? That's a good question. No. Oh, that is a good question. Those numbers are not, that's not, that's not what that number means. But in terms of strains, and I learned something this morning because I was wanting, I wanted to know about the mutations. There are apparently various mutations that are still occurring, but that has mm-hmm. nothing to do with the 19. Gotcha. Right. Yeah, definitely it's yeah. something that just, you know, it's mm-hmm. a, a little alarming. It's like yeah. you said, it's new. It mm-hmm. But yeah, so I'm really happy to be here yes. and talk about just the career readiness and how people can get themselves together and just uh, get their skills up and just be successful in the workforce at whatever age. Mm -hmm. Yes, and that's good. So, but tell us more about you. I got the privilege, I say, (laughs) to meet you. It's been a minute. It's been been at least five Five years. years, Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Isn't that? Is that right? Yes. And instantly, I knew that you had it going on. Why, thank you. Yeah, so (laughs) I am glad that, and you always, let's tell the folks out there, you always come and help us with our event, our Healthy Heart and Healthy Living event annually, and we appreciate you, Felicia. That's right. I love that. I love to get behind things that are, you know, promoting the community for good health and Mm -hmm. things of that nature, Mm -hmm. and I also enjoy opportunities to get students connected with professionals, Mm -hmm. so. And yeah, and that's a, that. yeah, that's a great place for mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. the students, yes. So we appreciate you, but um, tell us your story. You know, what got you into counseling and, and especially for career? Because you've always kind of been in that, that route of, you know, talking with the students about careers and stuff. Yeah, so I actually initially, I have a background of about 20 years, interestingly enough, in social services. You must have so. started as a baby. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah, so I spent a great deal of time working in social services, more specifically in shelter services and working with the homeless population. And so okay. um, myself as a young woman coming to school, went to Kent State. I'm a two-time graduate of Kent State University as well. And so I, I started my career off in that. I thought I wanted to be a high school English teacher mm. and okay. at some point become a principal of a high mm. school. And so I realized that mm-hmm. at that time, mm-hmm. i thankful to Dr. Cassandra Johnson. She's mm-hmm. actually a super assistant superintendent of Bedford City School. She was the principal of Parma High back then. Okay. I got a chance to do an internship, and yes. I realized that, you know what, high school is not for me. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, know what I was thinking. <laughs> my memory, my mm. recollection of high school is not what it, mm. it really is, right. okay, right. a reality. And so, mm. I, interestingly enough, had a wonderful opportunity to spend some time with the, uh, time with the counselors who were there. Okay. And it was in that experience that I found out that the things that the characteristics and about me, my personality traits, my interests, the things uh, associated with that aligned more with the counselors. Okay. Now, at that point in my life, I did not know I wanted to be a counselor. Okay. Mm-hmm. It just became something in my awareness, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So after graduating with my bachelor's degree, I was promoted to uh, manage the domestic violence shelter of Portage County. Okay. And so in that role, it was my responsibility to provide some form of therapeutic services for the women who What's were staying What's the county there. seat of Portage? What are the cities that are down in Portage County? That's so below got, Akron. You have like Ravenna. Oh, okay. A Kent. Gotcha. A couple of the cities mm-hmm. around there. Mm-hmm. 
you know, during my time managing the shelter, I, it was my responsibility to bring in some form of therapeutic service. The women could not get out to see that, you know, go see a counselor because of, you know, the dangers that came with that. And so I met a counselor through our agency at the time, and she would come and provide just group counseling. And when I tell you the women would be so motivated and encouraged when she left. Mm. And at that point in my life, you know, being a shelter manager was a goal of mine. I thought, Mm. you know, for myself, this is my career goal. There is nothing else that's going to top this. Right. 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 (laughs) And so, however, when I got there, I began to realize that, you know, I'm I'm losing touch. I'm not happy. Something's missing here. And so a lot of my role um, involved just managing the shelter, managing the day-to-day, staffing the shelter, making sure, you know, we um, have information for grants and things of that nature, the running, paying the bills, you know how Mm -hmm, that goes. mm -hmm. And so when I met this woman, her name was Bridget, I was just like, what are you doing? And she's like, well, I can't necessarily tell you what we talk about in the session because of confidentiality reasons. But these are some of the techniques that we use as counselors. And I was just like, when I tell y'all every cell in my body lit up and I was like, oh, my gosh, this Mm -hmm. is it. This Mm -hmm. is what I want to do. And so I decided to go back to Kent State for my master's program in clinical mental health counseling. Mm -hmm. While I was there, I felt like, you know, um, having a GA position is important. No one wants to pay for their master's degree. And Mm -hmm. so I sought out a position as a GA and ended up getting a full-time position with Dr. N.J. Akbar in a diversity office. Yes, yes, we know him. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a wonderful experience. I mean, just being a non-traditional college student and then an African-American woman where you're at a predominantly white institution, Mm -hmm. that's, it was always important to me mm-hmm. to not to be there as a support for students who look like me but also help with the retention and also just getting students recruitment mm-hmm. of students and showing them like this is a way for you to change the dynamics of your life your mm-hmm. parents your family or whatever the generation and so mm-hmm. I, I spent time there working when I finished my master's degree, um, throughout that time, I had been working at Coleman Professional Services and mm-hmm. doing an internship there. And I love it. I just love it. everything counseling, sitting one-on-one, helping people problem solve and figure out mm-hmm. whatever their concerns are. And mm-hmm. so uh, while I was there, I just was like, "There's." I, while I love the position in DLD, we call it DLD, mm-hmm there was still a calling for me to get into counseling once I finished my degree. And so Mm -hmm. interestingly enough, career exploration and development came up with a new position Mm -hmm. uh, called a diversity liaison career advisor. And I was like, hallelujah, this is God made this (laughs) just for me. Uh Like I just knew the skies opened up and Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, when they say God will make room for you and your talents and everything, that's exactly what I felt. I uh-huh. was like, this is it. And so that's how I kind of transitioned over into the career world. Okay. Because um, like you said, Dr. Doe, during my role in DLD or diversity outreach, I always helped students with mm-hmm. their resumes, you know, talk to them about developing particular skills that are going to be necessary when they enter the workforce and just kind of helping along in those. It was kind of a non-traditional kind of behind the scenes career services mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. So now I get to officially oh, that's nice. <laughs> wow. yeah, do that work. So. Yes. And isn't it something, you know, how a lot I keep trying to tell by two girls, you know, a lot of times the, the young folks, they, they rush, even with, with me, you know, yes. oh, I need this, I need that. But over the years, and you know, too, over the years, you always end up moving towards 
what you really should be doing. That is Isn't that true. something? It is. It is. And all the experiences, all the learning, because yeah, look, look at me, I'm health and wellness, but I learned the skill of doing radio. That's that was right. out of the blue. And look what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you, every, t- every time I tell the young folks and we can see through your life, you just have to be accepting and just keep learning and keep pushing forward. And sooner or later, you're going to be doing what you really want to That's do. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That is great. Isn't mm-hmm. that great, That's Dee? wonderful. That's <laughs> a great story. It is. It, definitely, story. definitely. So the question is, what is career readiness? Mm-hmm. And how do you help students navigate in their studies and careers to be prepared to find a great career? Because we hear that term, you know, career readiness. Mm -hmm. What does that really mean? So by definition, it means it's pretty much the attainment of the attainment and the demonstration of requisite competencies Mm -hmm. that broadly prepare graduates for successful transition into the workplace. That's what it means by definition Mm -hmm. Um, in in layman's terms. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's it's essentially the building of skills, those broad skills that most employers are looking for. Mm -hmm. You know, students, uh, when you graduate with a bachelor's degree I love to share with students you come you should have developed by that time through your education Mm -hmm. uh, those career readiness skills Mm -hmm. they are the to be honest with you I've spoken with various employers and just just from the work that we do become knowledgeable about it those are the things that people typically either keep their job or don't to get you know let go of for Mm -hmm. those career readiness skills it's not really the technical ones it's the career readiness okay and so when it comes to helping students navigate through their studies and careers and be prepared to find those great, you know, great career, mm-hmm. I think that um, making sure that they are knowledgeable about exactly what those skills are, which I'll describe for you in a little bit, okay. but being knowledgeable about them, understanding what their strengths are, mm-hmm. understanding the areas that they need to improve in. Mm-hmm. I tell students all the time, it, you know, it's that question tell us a couple strengths and areas of weakness for you. And people are always afraid of that question, right? Yes, they they try yes. to find something positive to say and not quite sure of what to say. But understanding what your weaknesses are is critically important and being mm-hmm. able to articulate that and talk about that to a potential supervisor because the biggest piece, we all struggle. No mm-hmm. one's perfect in every right. area. But being able to identify where you're, you know, not as strong at and taking the necessary steps to get better in that area is what is of most importance and so that to me is the -hmm. thing it's it's helping students understand what their strengths are Mm -hmm. so that they can build on them also what areas they need to improve on when it comes to career readiness skills and actually seek out opportunities while they're here in college to -hmm. improve those skills well you know when I was on the admissions committee for Neil it's Neil and Med now one of the questions that I would ask the potential students that were coming into the six-year program describe to me what your weaknesses are Mm -hmm. and they were relatively young in their career path but it was interesting that some of them had already identified some of their weaknesses and talked about you know some of the things that they needed to improve on so I think that's that I, used, I remember good. doing that yes. for the interview process for some of these kids. Yeah. Because, you know, we kind of all, like, build on our strengths. We're always, you know. Mm-hmm. That's right. But when you have to sit and reflect on what are my weaknesses, mm-hmm. that ma- really makes you kind of be self 
introspective, if that's a word. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also vulnerable because when you're looking for a job or a career, a position, you don't necessarily want to volunteer. Right. <laughs> Those areas that you're not so good at, it may determine whether or not you get the position. And so really being able, I think that, like, if we could be honest, I share this with students all the time. If, you know, let's say it's communication skills and mm-hmm. we're all working together and we know Dr. Doe is not good at communicating. We know we know this Dr. Banks, but mm-hmm. she's not quite aware of that mm-hmm. yet. Right. Mm-hmm. If she's not aware of that, imagine the impact it's having on the work that we're able to do. Mm-hmm. And right. we have to convince her that, you know, you're struggling in this area. Mm-hmm. Right. So for you to be able to know, it know already, and huh? say, this is where I'm struggling, and this right. is what I'm doing to get better in that exactly. area, mm-hmm. that's the way in which you, you know, you demonstrate for employers, I'm career ready. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's wow, very that's great. great. Go ahead and then tell us then these soft skills. We always hear soft skills, but I think they're, I shouldn't, I don't like that word, soft skills. I don't skills. like it Do either. You? I don't like it. And I just recently posted an article of that on Facebook. It's no longer to me soft skills. These are very valuable, important mm. skills because they will determine whether you keep your job or not. Well, define or for able. me what these are. So these are skills such as critical thinking and problem solving skills, mm-hmm. professionalism and work ethic, you know. Wow, we, that's a soft one. Mm-hmm. This is what they would That's what they say. use the term as soft skills. Mm-hmm. Also, um, you know, you got leadership and team collaboration. You have technology. Digital technology is a skill. Global and intercultural fluency. One of the more recent ones is emotional intelligence. That's rising yes. up the list of skills that employers are looking for. And mm-hmm. I, the information that I get is from the National Association of Colleges and Employers. They've done studies where they've interviewed many employers to find out what are those skills that are important to you for students coming out of college specifically. Mm-hmm. And I would think this applies to at any age range. Mm-hmm. It's having no skills and so again knowing how to think critically and solve problems and things and communication of course and leadership that's those two are also Mm. skills I would say then for a person you were saying to um, know their weaknesses Mm -hmm. and their strengths and then be able to communicate that and say look this is what I'm working on you know, but these are my strengths. Mm -hmm. And it's really being transparent, right? It is. Being transparent. With someone else and yourself too, right? That's right. (laughs) Because for many reasons, I mean, you know, you could, a person doesn't just look at you in one way when they're considering you for a position. And so, you know, if you can share with them, if this is something that you're willing to work on, they may have a dynamic team that can help build you Uh in that area and support you in that area. Mm. And so, but they wouldn't know to match you with the right people right. if, if you you're, you can't share that information with them. And so yeah. um, I often hear students and say things like, well, perfectionism is one of my you know, weaknesses. Oh. You know, I, I, I work so hard on uh-huh. something all the time. I can't let it go because I want it to be perfect and uh-huh. it causes me to be late or whatever may have you. And I say, well, trash that one. <laughs> I don't want to hear y'all use that one yeah. anymore because really who's perfect? Right. Yeah. Now you're, you're striving for something that's not even a reality attainable. attainable exactly. Mm-hmm. So let's really get down to some things that you've learned about yourself. And it is being introspective. It is really looking into yourself and figuring out, let me be honest with myself. What do I struggle with and how can mm. I get better? So, so I guess today I'm just thinking, you know, it's been a long time since I've been in college and, you know, people did majors where, 
you know, today you would think, uh, I mean, like it was kind of like maybe questions that I asked one, one or two of my kids or whatever. What are you going to do with that major? Mm-hmm. You know, parents are now, what are you going to, are you going to get a job with that? That's right. <laughs> so today, first of all, do parents still say that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There are a lot of still helicopter parents out here. Parents who, yeah. I call them helicopter, what, but it doesn't yeah. have to be to that extreme right. even. Right. Parents definitely want to know, what, what, what can you do? And students want to know, what can I do with this major? So I guess I'm just thinking, is it all about computer and technical today and that's what i'm thinking you know you're just thinking well is it all about the googles and the facebooks and the this and the computers and so where are we today no i don't having been out of out of college for a long time it's not just about that and so one of the things that i've been working with students on when they when you think about what can i do with this major we have like over three three hundred different programs at kent state university and each one could potentially lead to at least a hundred career options Mm -hmm. and so we have a tool called what can I do with this major that's Mm -hmm. how serious Mm -hmm. it is for us and so one of the things though that is paramount I also teach a career navigation course and that's for students who are unsure of what they want to do they're considering potential majors but they're not sure what that outcome would be like really you do have to do some self-exploration I think the self-exploration is critically important. It kind of leads into job satisfaction, right, and Mm -hmm. and career satisfaction. And so understanding who you are, what your interests are, Mm -hmm. okay, what is your why? Why? How do you choose? How do you come to this? Dr. Mark Savick is is a faculty member at Kent State University. Mm -hmm. He has this saying that that's something like we, we actively master what we passively suffer, in regards to how we come to our own career aspirations. Mm-hmm. And so I like to talk to students about you. If you ask a dental student, what, why, would, why did you want to go to dental school? What drew you to this industry? Well, when I was younger, you know, I had a dentist who was really great mm-hmm. and really helped me and fix my smile. Or they had a horrible experience. <laughs> it was, it's either one or the other. Mm-hmm. And now they have a passion connected to that. And so really exploring what is it that you're passionate about? What is your why? And then how can you build on that with the natural skills that you have? coupled with developing skills that we know employers are looking mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. to find a good fit for you career-wise. Well, I would have to say, you know, we talk about career and we talk about total well-being and wellness here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, career, that really fits in to a person's wellness and their dimensions. Mm-hmm. And it is cons- it is said to be occupational wellness. Mm-hmm. And that's the ability to achieve a balance between work, leisure time, addressing workplace stress, building relationships with coworkers. <clears throat> it focuses on our search for a calling. Like you said, you had a, uh, your calling like, oh my God, this that's is right. it. <laughs> but it also... I feel that if you're in tune with that and you end up going that pathway, especially your career matches up with what you, your purpose and what you really want, that's perfect health. Mm-hmm. That's perfect health and wellness. Very true. So what are your thoughts on, on that as far as the occupational wellness and does that affect folks, your students? Do you be kind of thinking about that when you're trying mm-hmm. to match them up with um, their careers definitely and uh-huh. 
so interestingly enough, there's a, a lady who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. Uh, her I name remember, is I, I, I uh, Elizabeth saw the movie, Gilbert. but I remember the author of the book. Yes, yes. Elizabeth Gilbert. Mm-hmm. She talks about, in a, in a, I, I saw a video where she talks about the difference between a hobby, a job, a career, and a vocation. Mm. And so I really love to use this uh, okay. video when I work with students and just people in general who are not quite sure about what they want to do. And understanding that if you're in a career that you don't like, you need to get out. When it comes to a career, it's not something that we have to have, but it's something that you should very much so enjoy doing because this is where you're going to invest a lot of time. We go to school a lot of years. Mm -hmm. We sacrifice a lot in order to be in our careers of choice. Helping students kind of understand that, you know, when it comes to work, a job, we do that for money. You do that to earn money. And sometimes, like, I'll give you an example. My sister is a cosmetologist. She has her own beauty shop in Akron. There are times she has to do nursing assistant work whenever it's slow right, season right. for the money in order to finance her dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And so understanding that balance of when, when we're talking about a career in occupational wellness, it should be interesting. It should be motivating the work that you do. It should give you energy. It shouldn't be draining. It shouldn't be the opposite. Yes. Uh, I do counseling, uh, private practice counseling in the evenings as well for mm-hmm. mental health counseling. Mm-hmm. And y'all, every time I get a paycheck, I'm always like, <gasps> like, wow, like you're I'm doing, getting paid. You're getting paid for something that but you really, really enjoy like doing. Do. That's good. Not I would too many really people do it have for that. free. Yeah. Right. And so just when you think about that, and then it's the balance of work mm-hmm. versus leisure time, mm-hmm. understanding when it comes to occupational wellness, you have to understand it and practice it. Yes. The practice piece is what really comes in. And so mm-hmm. making sure that you are spending that time doing the things on the side and just all around feeling good at the end of the day about the work that you do. You know, yeah. I think that that contributes to, you know, that's a sign of mm-hmm. occupational wellness. I have a question about the, one of the downsides of wellness and careers and so forth. You know, the high rate of suicide that we're mm-hmm. seeing in our young people these mm-hmm. days, one of the things that I, I, I often talk about is that we're raising a generation of children who don't know how to fail. Mm-hmm. And everybody gets a, everybody yes. on the basketball team gets a medal. Mm-hmm. Everybody, there's there's eight valedictorians in the class. Well, they can't possibly be eight valedictorian somebody shouldn't have deserved that that's right (laughs) you know somebody shouldn't have gotten that a and so my thing is when these kids get to college Mm -hmm. or even go through college and then they they hit their first failure Mm -hmm. in a career or whatever they're not ready to handle it and then they jump out the window or whatever so Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit, since you're also involved, obviously, in mental health, Mm -hmm. am I right? Am I just, is this... Am I just bringing this out of my head no, or I is there a, an issue sometimes I with think this? you're right. And I think that that is something that's an issue that we're looking at with uh, social media, the age of social media, the millennials being raised on digital technology. You're, we're seeing a lot of them are struggling with, you know, just finding that happiness, right? Mm-hmm. The failure piece. I love that. We have almost conditioned 
us to, uh, as a society, mm -hmm. to look at failure as something that's negative, mm. right? Where, and you want to avoid it. Mm -hmm. People want to, students want to avoid failing. And I'm like, no, you want to fail. That's where we learn. Right. Without the failure, we don't learn. If we keep getting yes, 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 appraisal, 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 then we won't know whether we're on the wrong path or the right path mm -hmm. or not. And so mm -hmm. I encourage students to fail often and fast, mm -hmm. right? Because that's, again, where we learn and, and craft our skill. Mm -hmm. I noticed, though, that when it comes to working with students, I was recently at a conference with mm -hmm. um, a lot of freshmen, you know, undergraduate college students mm -hmm. and we were talking about leadership but many of them were struggling with mental health issues mm -hmm. and so that was the theme to me mm -hmm. that kept coming up it was mm -hmm. more so well I want to be a leader but I struggle from this or mm -hmm. that and the issues again kind of related to self-esteem and mm -hmm. confidence and things of those nature and it comes from that culture of them sitting on social media and not experiencing life you know what I mean and through just some research and this is just my own personal assessment but mm -hmm. you know they for example when we were younger you get out you know right. you're at school if your mother can't come pick you up you got to figure out how you gonna get home right <laughs> today the right. kids can press a button on Uber yes. and their problem is solved yes. do you yes. know what I mean and so yes. they're not as confident no. in their decision making right. abilities or even that they're on the right path right. or track for right. themselves mm -hmm. and so I think that causes a lot of distress for people mm -hmm. because you you know you're clinging now mm -hmm. you're they're clinging to their mm -hmm. parents and and just the way what this the systems and supports that we've built that do really give them an opportunity to experience and experiences failure life happenings right. you know right. and right. I've even seen it boil down to like you know for example let's use Facebook as an example mm -hmm. when kids are on Facebook this constant affirmation that if you don't get 25 likes that's right you know if you put something out there and nobody's liking what you say kids get depressed that's you right. know they want this constant affirmation of like like love like like and so it I mean I know it sounds kind of silly but it's real mm -hmm. and that's what social media one of the things that social media has done yes to our kids yes. just that liking thing yes and Dr. D that even translates into the workforce because now they need that validation that constant mm -hmm. yes you're doing a good job where they may be doing a good job but they're not sure because no one's telling them, them or right. awarding them for the work that they're doing and yes. so they then in turn feel like, well, I suck. I'm not good. I'm not doing a good job. I don't have that confidence in myself. And I've seen that in students as well. Mm. And so, you know, it's that making sure you there's I don't know. I feel like there has to be a shift. I was having this conversation with someone not too long ago. I think it probably would happen within their generation as it relates to social media, just because there is that heavy reliance on the approval of other people. Right. And then we also know that in the mm -hmm. world, it, whenever you log on, you're not good enough. You If you don't have this outfit and this makeup yes. or these shoes or whatever it is, it's like you're not good enough. Well, what do you compare in order to know Compared and understand to who and what? That's right. right. The so, measures. Yes. Exactly. And I always what tell, are the measures? And I always tell my girls, too. I was like, look, Facebook and all that. Because you know how the young folks and people go, well, I'm getting off Facebook. Well, why are you getting off Facebook? Facebook is just a snapshot. You believe all that stuff? Yeah. No, look at here. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, I'm having a good time. Right. Snap, snap. Right. See, people believe that I have a good time, and I'm just sitting in my chair That's in right. my office. It's a snapshot. It is. And it's really not the real thing. If and you wanna... Snapchat and Instagram and all of them. Yeah. yeah. So true. we hype it up. I just I always looked at Facebook and all that. But that's just how I think. As a hype up, you're just yes. hyping stuff up. It's not necessarily the win all and all. It's yeah. Just, I think us right. Gen Xers and Boomers can see as such because we were here at a time when there was no social media. Right. So we understand that that's the hype up. Whereas that's the, the hype younger up. people, mm -hmm. yeah. this is. This is daily. It. This is what they've they seen born since they, they were born it. into it. Mm. And so while we can also, I've been teaching young people also mm -hmm. that you can utilize social media. Like I love, I can say, what what does your Netflix say about you? What does your mm -hmm. social media usage say about you? Um, mm -hmm. There are some things called Holland Code, your work interests, mm -hmm. and kind of finding out how do your interests align with the work. Mm -hmm. And so we do that as well. And so finding, mm -hmm. you know, understanding where do you spend most of your time on social media outside of talking to other other people right, posting right. Mm -hmm. there's plenty of things oh, we yeah. read articles mm -hmm. you yes. know what i mean we're mm -hmm. engaged in groups mm -hmm. there's a lot of things happening and so i try to meet them where they are right. in their world to mm -hmm. kind of help them see you do have interest you are talented at in these areas mm -hmm. and let's really highlight right. those let's yes. focus on those and we things. need and we need social media that's why i use social media for Vikido Fitness. So, yes. so there are positive things. Yes. And so we've enjoyed talking with this you. This has been yes. fabulous. But yes. we want to fabulous. close, close know, with some right? tips. We want what tips you will leave for the millennials, the Gen Zs, folks like me, just all of yes. us transitioning into the workforce. What, what kind of tips would you give us? First of all, I, I feel like finding your niche. I think that finding the thing that you are good at, the thing that brings you energy, because that it then often exudes, it comes out. If you enjoy doing what you're doing, it exudes and you often times do it well and so mm -hmm. really find your interest in the thing that you're really good at and mm -hmm. work from there okay. uh, accept feedback ah. I think that that is something that is mm. really important I always tell people you know they struggle with taking that criticism or feedback it's so good to your development but I love to tell people I heard a saying eat the meat and throw away the bone right <laughs> right you you take what is right. good from that and beneficial yeah. and the things that aren't you kind of let it go and so you have to be able to take feedback in order for you to grow and do well especially as you transition if you're moving from one career to another mm. or you're just entering the workforce you have to be able to absorb that information mm -hmm. uh, learn to be a good listener yes yes do you know um, I was recently again at another conference and I was giving out gifts and one of the reasons one of the things that you could do to earn a gift is repeat back what another person in the audience said hmm. and every time I did three sessions every time I asked that crickets ah. <laughs> so that people and I you didn't have to say it exactly you could summarize it and so that says to me that people Who aren't really, really listening, listening to one right. another mm -hmm. there are some great gems and information that is dropped when you are paying attention and so there's a difference between we were saying that the other day about a nurse they were hearing that's but they right. weren't listening that's right 
and there's right. a difference. It really is. Difference. It yeah. really is. When you're listening, I feel like you're in a learning mode. Yes. Opposed to hearing, it's just kind of information coming in and right. you're not really processing it mm-hmm. much or doing much with it. And mm-hmm. so definitely learn to be a good listener. Make sure for younger people, respect the older generations, respect mm-hmm. the Gen Xers and the boomers. I know that there's been this conversation about how, you know, millennials are mm-hmm. not getting in well with the, but you know what? There are a lot of things that we have in common. And I think that a great employer you know they should seek to have a diverse workforce in their you know in their company so that can mean fresh new people to people who are seasoned and very Mm. good at what they do and so if you can learn how to find those commonalities and things that you're good at that you can contribute to the team and that can come from either angle I know that some people who are entering the workforce they may be older they may be a little afraid and saying hey Mm. I don't know if I got a chance to get back in here I may be looked at negatively because I'm older Uh well you know what there's something you're really good at and that's what we got to focus on what are you good at what can you contribute to the team and also how can you ease the fears whatever the situations are that you feel like may prevent you from getting a job it it could be well I'm older and they may be afraid that I may miss a lot of work well how can you demonstrate that you're always on time and you always you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You don't you you have you've taken care of yourself in a right. way to where you don't right. have to miss work. Right. And so really being able to identify those commonalities and learning how to work together. Essentially I'm talking about teamwork and right. collaboration. Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. And so and I think there's one more. Learn to navigate the culture of the companies or organizations or institutions you're mm. interested in working in. And so they, each area, each company, institution has its own culture. Mm-hmm. I think when you pay attention to that, sometimes people kind of go in and they're kind of like blind to that. And they, you should do your own due diligence before right. you even join them exactly I I 100% agree and so that means doing your research Mm -hmm. yes making sure you're doing your research Mm -hmm. you should fully understand who you're applying to um, what what is their culture like and what type of work do they do and what ultimately can you value you can bring to the team exactly well, Felicia, you have been outstanding Absolutely today. Absolutely fantastic. Yes, yes, yes. And so this inside show, D. so do you have some tips yeah, that we should think I'm about? I'm just going to reiterate the top three here that she mentioned about okay. tips for the uh, different generations. Number one, finding your niche, which, yes. you know, is near and dear to us. Yes. Near and dear to you, Dr. Doe, <laughs> um, with your program at Kent State. Uh-huh. Um, accept feedback. And number three, be a good listener. And I would also have to add this, respect the older generation. Mm -hmm. And I might add another thing is that it kind of works both ways. When there are organizations that have a lot of elders, I find myself in organizations that have just built themselves and not brought new Mm -hmm. and diverse. So diversity Ah, also means bring younger people in, new ideas. Mm -hmm. And if you're at a position where you have an opportunity to hire people, don't just hire... There's nothing good about homogeneity, if Mm -hmm. that's the right word. Mm -hmm. And bringing in millennials, I always say when I even, you know, I'm in medicine, is that I love being around young people because they bring to me Mm -hmm. new skill sets, Mm -hmm. new stuff that I haven't learned. Mm -hmm. And so for organizations that have built on, just continue to build on and don't bring in new people, it works both ways. It really does. Mm -hmm. I think so. It works both ways. Yes. Yeah. I love young folks and 
and I um, do too. Yes, Me and too. you know, you know, Felicia, right? Yes, I yes, do. yes. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. yes. I think it's important to connect young people with people who are seasoned. We have to do that more. When it, it's like passing the torch, it is. You know, they are going to be the generation who will be controlling our society, yes. and we want them to be prepared right, <laughs> so right, right. that's how right. we pass the torch is right. give them those opportunities mm-hmm. yes and i think so too as always for more information go to our website www.vickidofitness.com and remember if you have any questions comments or just something to say tweet us email us go on facebook and share with us your thoughts You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. Vicki Doe is owner of Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicki by email at info at vickidofitness.com.